Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There is only one thing to mention when we do indeed start talking about WWE's second ever one night stand pay-per-view. And that is that ECW was about to return properly. Or at least that's what our hope was. We were like, oh my gosh, WWE is going to do their version of Extreme Championship Wrestling. Finally, the late 90s are back. And then we got WWE CW on the Sci-Fi Channel. And it was really weird. What we all hoped deep down in our tum-tum was that this was going to be a true alternative, given there wasn't really any other competition out there. And on the surface, it wasn't even all that bad. Kurt Angle was going to be the face of the company. You were going to have guys like Justin Credible. You were going to have super-duper stars like Rob Van Dam. And the word on the street was that Paul Heyman was going to be running things. But that weren't the deal. I mean, he was the manager. But you know the deal in World Wrestling Entertainment. You could have all these ideas, but you have to go to somebody else. And his name is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. The other issue was the channel that they had decided to put it on. Because, yes, it was on Sci-Fi. Now, Sci-Fi was all like, oh, man, this wrestling's doing great ratings. We're happy to have a piece of the pie. But we don't want to ironically alienate our own audience. So we are going to insist that you have stuff like extraterrestrials, mummies and zombies. And I'm sorry, if you had put any one of those characters on an ECW show in 1996, one of these fans would have come out of the crowd and they would have stabbed you right in the head. Now, they shouldn't have done that, but those people were crazy. With hindsight, Shane McMahon's idea at the time of just having it as an internet only show would have been far better because then WWE could have controlled the content. And here's the wall that we swiftly ran into. Raw and SmackDown viewers were very happy with Raw and SmackDown and old school ECW fans tuned in and went, well, this ain't ECW, I'm going to turn it off. So it really was just such a shame. And continuing on that theme in much sadder news, it was around about 2006 when poor old John Tenter passed away. The former earthquake was a legend to me when I was a kid, which is why I wanted to put this in here. And it was so nice to grow up into an adult, if you can describe me as that, and realize that pretty much everybody else in the wrestling business only had nice words to say about him. He will always be one of the best. In more industry happenings too, Kurt Angle and Edge... They were upset. Now, it makes sense with Kurt Angle because he'd just been told, ha ha, you have to go to ECW, and he's been very vocal about this after the fact. Whereas the rating R superstar had been told, oh, you're going to be the main heel on Raw. And then somebody changed their minds, and that position was given to Randy Orton. So yeah, Adam Copeland should have been pissed off. That's called being screwed. Still, let us focus on the event at hand and in front of 2,500 fans, which is ridiculous because it sounds like there's about 92,000 in there at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Let's up those downs for WWE CW One Night Stand 
2006. Paul Heyman knew what he was doing. He was well aware that this fan base absolutely loved him, so why not kick things off with him walking to the ring and cutting a promo? And yes, it is a shame that he's talking about the brand new sci-fi ECW and how great it's going to be. But the thing with Paul Heyman, as everybody will tell you, is that he is super duper good at making you drink the Kool-Aid. And I was just lapping in here, even though it's 2021. And even I thought, oh man, this brand new ECW is going to be great. For you see, I am an idiot. Paul is even allowed to shout out that it's going to be better than Monday Night Raw, which it probably is nowadays. <laughs> that's just a joke. And it's going to be better than SmackDown. And that's it. He just waves and he leaves. But it works so well because, again, he's so good at talking into a microphone, you just want to see him succeed. I like the first match too, mostly because back then and now, I'm well aware that it's meant to be nonsense. But it is Jerry the King Lawler taking on Taz. By my calculations, it goes about 35 seconds, but I still had a good time up. I mean, if you were expecting some sort of 15-minute classic, what the hell is wrong with you? And, of course, as soon as Taz comes out here, he is treated like a flipping legend. And by proxy, Jerry the King Lawler is treated like a piece of trash. Now, the reason this is so great is because if you look at your face, I think 50% of him is loving it, and the other 50% is just a little bit pissed off, especially when the fans start to chant, Jerry... Why don't you go and suck a dick? My mum is watching this. I am very sorry. These are not my words. I would never dare utter them. Lawler does play into this, though, because he just walks up to the commentary booth and slaps the hell out of Joey Styles. But this ties into the story, because then back in the ring, Styles jumps on the king's back. Taz goes, oh, great, there's my opportunity. He logs in the Taz mission. And again, in less than a minute, this thing is over. The fans are roaring their approval. Taz is then allowed to go and join Joey Styles on the commentary desk. What a well-thought-out little spot. It's also a nice reminder how good Taz was going to get at the announce booth. I mean, he's more than fine here, but these days he's absolute fire. And it also means he has the best seat in the house for match number two, which is Kurt Angle, the brand new face of ECW, taking on Randall Keithorn. This is absolutely fantastic too and something you need to see because, of course, Randy Orton to this fan base is everything wrong with the wrestling world and they just boo the shit out of him to the point one dude actually punches him as he is strutting down the aisleway. But because Randy gets it so much, he just looks at this piece of crap, kind of shrugged his shoulders, laugh, and makes his way into the squared circle. And you can go one or two ways with this. So again, one way you're like, <laughs> that was really funny. But the other is, man, I hope Kurt Angle kicked his ass. This is so well put together. The other big question going into this was, well, will the ECW faithful accept Kurt Angle as their new brand new leader and savior? And that gets answered instantly too, because you get the whole bum, 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 which is the really weird remix version. They all go crazy for him. Mission success. The sheer noise to all of this too is absolutely insanity, I suppose, because it is the first proper match on the night. And they also tell Randy to go flub himself, but they did not say flub. So Orton decides, well, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to play the role of classic WWE heel. And my word, do people despise it. In many ways, we don't even need to talk about the match and we should just focus on the chance. Because we do get Flub You Orton, we get Cut Angle's Gonna Kill You, we get You Got Bitch Slapped, and then from nowhere, everybody just starts telling John Cena where he can go. And that just gets you even more excited about the main event because you're like, oh my gosh, if this is how they're treating Randy Orton, what the hell are they gonna do to Big Match John? Otherwise, this is a really fun match with Angle exploding here and there and Randy Orton just doing all the things that the 
the fans don't want to see. Like when he locks on a chin lock and everyone starts going, boring, boring, this sucks. You can just see it in his eyes. He is having the time of his life, his hook, line and sinker. It's also proof that when it comes to professional wrestling, all you do really need is a good atmosphere. And when you do get to the last few minutes of this, it is also quite clear that Kurt Angle is not 100%, like he's not moving in the way you'd expect Olympic gold medalist to do so, which is why sooner rather than later, he locks on the ankle lock, Randy on taps out. And I would say the Kurt Angle ECW experiment is go, but in a few months, he was gonna leave the company. So I really don't see how you can't enjoy this, especially when afterwards all was all like, oh, my ankle, ankle, I'm gonna need assistance out of here. So a couple of refs do help him to the back. I mean, he couldn't have been a bigger moron, and that's why it's getting up. After that too, we go full flavor with ECW, cause it is Tajirian super crazy taken on the FBI. The FBI always cracked me up because of course they're meant to be from Italy and their names are Tony Marmaluke, Big Guido and Little Guido, in case you didn't know. And given who their opponents are, once again, this is just fun. I did my conductor hands. I mean, Tajirian's super crazy just flying around the place, but even these alumni aren't safe from the ECW crowd because later on the crazy one and Marmaluke do botch a spot and they tell them, hey, we think you botched that, as does Taz, which is almost like a prelude to his AEW commentary. He just shouts out, what the hell was that? The last few minutes are especially well worth watching because I suppose, I can't think of a better way to put it, they just go 2006 indie scene. And that was incredible to see in the WWE at this time because WWE had a very specific style and this was the complete antithesis to that. Given that the FBI had been tonked the entire match as well, it was obvious they were going to win, which they did when they hit a double fisherman suplex buster. They get the one, two, three, and this was just a nice way to go, hey, aren't you excited? ECW is back. And so are some of your old favorites. Up. This also ties into the fallout though, because you get another wink, wink, nod, nod. Because one of Paul Heyman's favorite gimmicks was to have a big guy whose sole role was to arrive after matches that were finished and just beat everybody up in the ring. This used to be a guy called 911. He wasn't here on this evening, but I tell you who was. Brand new ECW signing the big show. And he arrives here and actually looks more devastating than he has done in years. I mean, he just decks everything that moves. But the fans don't boo this because it's almost like somebody has looked at Paul White and gone, well, you're a gargantuan man. Why don't we play to your strengths? I know, what a crazy, crazy concept. This, of course, tied into last year, too, when he was booed out of the place. And the real upsetting thing about this is that he does make a bunch of gay jokes and seems to take great pride in the fact that he had beaten up the blue meanie for real 12 months prior. I don't care if it's 2006. I don't care if it's 2021. There's no place for this kind of nonsense in the world. It's so much better when he just plays normal bad guy and starts saying things like, well, Rob Van Dam is only a star because of me and Vince McMahon. It's the same with Taz, who is now going to tank his career from coming back to ECW. So basically every single person in this house right now can kiss my ass. And then everybody boos and everybody wants him to fall off that balcony. They're probably using their force powers before they're remembering they don't have any. Should have just stuck to that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. My brain then failed me, because I do not recall at all there being a world heavyweight championship match between Sabu and Rey Mysterio. Then I got to the finish, and I remembered why I had forgotten, because good grief is disgusting. Once again, you'll be laughing your head off too, because Mysterio is destroyed here with booze. And honestly, throughout his entire career, aside from that one Raw Rumble which did not go well, which wasn't even his fault, he was always the beloved babyface, but simply down to the fact that he wasn't Sabu, everyone's like, boo, boo. And they're not going, Sabu, they mean it. Given who was in this, the chairs are out instantly and they are just smashing each other as hard as they can. And when Ray goes to the 619, once again, there's a bunch of jeers. And I don't want to repeat myself, but you'll go find me another time when that happens, you won't be able to find one. Before long, he also throws Sabu through a table and this bump is so gruesome, the referee throws up the dreaded X sign. And if you don't know what that is, it's the sign that you send to the back when somebody is properly hurt. Now there's every chance this could have been true, but I think this was more trying to dupe the audience because they were a bunch of smart fans. There is more proof to this in the sense that Sabu is up really quickly. And one of the first thing he decides to do is his triple jump moonsault and he lands right on Rey Mysterio's face. To the point I looked at the referee and said, well, if you ain't gonna hold up the X sign, I will do it just to try and make myself feel better and just hope that somebody goes out there to help him. This match is sick. Poor Mysterio then has a chair chucked right at his skull. That's not gonna do him any favors these days. But then you get to the spot that everybody was talking about at the time and really we should still be talking about now because Sabu gives this DDT to Rey Mysterio through the table on the outside but the wood does absolutely nothing. And both these guys' skulls go crashing into the floor. I thought one of them was dead. If it is so bad, the match just stops. That's right, somebody looks at them and goes, we can't continue this. We've got to call it, so they do. Now, obviously this was part of the plan, because in the ECW arena, you don't want Rey Mysterio to retain, but you also don't want to have Sabu lose. But when you see it, you are in complete agreement, because otherwise, somebody here was going to die. Obviously the fans think this is a pile of BS, but I quite like that, because if you were going to try and work the fans in this environment, this was the way to do it. But that final bump, I don't know who came up with it, I don't know who agreed with it, Everybody said, oh, Sabu, he's homicidal. you damn right. But for sheer effort alone, this is getting it up. The fun then continues, because out comes Mick Foley, out comes Edge, and out comes Lita, and they really know what they're doing. Foley right away ensures people hate him when he starts going, oh, man, wasn't the Alliance great in the evasion? And the best ECW owner was Stephanie McMahon. I was like, damn it, Mick Foley, I love you. And Edge is fine here as well, even though he's more stereotypical with like, ha I bet none of you have girlfriends. Leah does some of this too, and I am not going to repeat what the fans chanted at her here. 
because it's not kosher and it's just not appropriate. So this was a really good way to be hated if that was your idea, but actually they didn't have to try at all because their opponents were Terry Funk, Tommy Dreamer and Beulah McGillicuddy. I mean, they're always going to be treated like returning heroes. A huge reason for the joy of this match, too, is that you do actually get Mick Foley versus Terry Funk. And if you know their history, how can you not enjoy that? But good grief, much like the rest of this pay-per-view, they just hit each other in the head so hard, it's like they hate each other, when in actual fact, they were the best of friends. And you know that Mick was loving this as well, when really somebody should be going, would you stop the damn match? And then Tommy Dreamer gets into this action, because he whams away at Edge so many times, and so hard with a steel chair, it's like the Royal Rumble 1999. The carnage then continued with everybody taking falls that would just make you recall in horror, until Lita decides, you know, I want to get in on this action, so she kicks Tommy Dreamer right in the balls. That's almost like a catalyst to escalate this even further, so we introduce a barbed wire board. Tommy and Edge just drop this right onto Tommy too, and don't pretend otherwise, this is a real barbed wire board, and you know this because it gets stuck in Tommy Dreamer's skin. And I remember watching it in 2006, and I remember how I felt watching it now. It just makes me cry inside as I beg for my parents. I don't want to be here anymore. I shuddered so much I had to take a break and go watch Care Bears for five minutes just to balance out. And then this board is just going around the houses, including poor Terry Funk, who basically gets some barbed wire in his eye. Nobody should say that sentence ever. How was your day, Mr. Funk? Oh, it wasn't very good because I got some metal pushed right into my pupil. This really is another level. This thing goes completely in the other direction when Mick Foley decides to introduce sports entertainment to the mix as he pulls Mr. Soccer out of his pants, the thunderous booze, and this is just wrestling tennis on acid. It's like on the one end of the court, you've got a demon with a knife, and on the other, you've got a fish with a spoon. I don't know what that means, but if I was gonna sit down and have dinner with one of them, I'd much rather go with the fish. Once again, we just have to keep taking it up and up and more and more, so Terry Funk returns and he gets the barbed wire boar, and he sets it on fire, and then he uses that to set Mick Foley alight, who then falls out of the ring and goes to another table, and only then does somebody come out with a fire extinguisher and put him out. I mean, he is actually ablaze for around about five seconds. I don't know what to do. I cannot believe this aired on television. Peter and Lita are then punching each other in the face when Tommy Dreamer goes, ha I'm going to give the DVD to Lita, which he really shouldn't have done, because Edge then DDTs him onto a barbed wire board before the radar superstar spears Bueller and then pins her by humping her. I don't want to have to say those words. I don't want it to come out of my mouth. Look at me, what am I doing? But it's true. One, two, three, and this absolute farce is done. I mean, this still remains one of the most sadistic matches you could ever hope to see in WWE, but it is never boring, and my word, your ass will be on the edge of your seat. I don't know how any of them survived. What else can I do but give it up? It also absolutely screwed Masato Tanaka and Balls Mahoney, because they have to come out here afterwards. And while they fancy doing a hardcore match, it is not as hardcore as what we've just seen. And also the crowd, while still kind of loud, is absolutely exhausted. And it is this match that suffers to the point it's going to get it down. It doesn't help that Tanaka also makes a mistake in this. So once again, the crowd are like, ah, we saw what you did. And it ends with Balls Mahoney using a steel chair shot and kicking him right in the balls. But again, we kind of saw all of that five minutes ago. This one basically just passes you by. WWE then couldn't help themselves 
And out came Eugene. The character is problematic to begin with, which we have talked about here before on Retro Ups and Downs. But honestly, somebody tell Nick Dismore to go out here and start going, I'm hardcore, I'm hardcore. I mean, it really is a little bit distasteful. And I'm saying that on this show, so you know how distasteful it must have been. The whole point of this too was to get the Sandman on the show. And I am just going to be as straight as an arrow with you. I found it a little bit difficult. I mean, we all know how important he was to ECW, but one, he's been sent out here to Kenny Kendo stick the hell out of someone struggling mentally, and two, it's just not the right version of the Sandman. I can't put my finger on it, but it has been watered down, so it's been WWE'd, and all of this, well, it kind of sucks. It also takes the Sandman longer than The Undertaker to get to the ring, and the real proof in the pudding is that while the fans react to it, they don't react as big as you probably thought they would have done, Mostly, I can imagine, because at this stage, like, where's John Cena? We want to boo John Cena. So I am going to give it a down. They do then get John Cena, though. Flub me, what a moment. If you've never seen it, it's absolutely something that you have to, because as WWE would say, it's pure bizarro world. Like, John Cena would get booed here and there, but it is nothing like this. To the point, if you showed it to someone who never watched professional wrestling and went, oh, that's John Cena. He goes around and he hurts puppies. They would totally believe you because the sheer hate for this man, well, it is just nuts. The signs are unreal too, as one reads, I came to see Cena die, and the now infamous, if Cena wins, we riot. And I don't think these were just slogans written down on a piece of paper. Some of these people were so rolled up, I think they meant it. I mean, they have decided that John Cena is all that's wrong with professional wrestling and the reason why ECW doesn't exist anymore. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. But if you need another case in point, just remember when John Cena takes his t-shirt off and throws it into the crowd. A moment that has become infamous throughout the years, Johnny Boy did this all over the world, but here, nobody wants his damn merchandise. So they throw it back into the ring once, he throws it back out twice, they throw it back in for the third time. At one point, some dude does it so aggressively and he's just flipping him off, going, flop you, John Cena, flop you. It's a bit like a prison riot. Toilet paper is even held into the ring as this just feels so damn right dirty. And yet, even then, when John Cena and Rob Van Damme are punching each other in the face, they still do the yay boo spot. This pay-per-view will absolutely wear you out for all the right reasons. The coolest thing about all of this, though, is that it is just an RVD match. It's not like we toned it down because John Cena was in it. So he's doing his leg drop with chairs and he's throwing John Cena all around the place. But don't think that John Cena doesn't fire back either. He does and while his double axe handle off the top to the outside is a little bit like i think you need to do something bigger you didn't see johnny do stuff like that so i respected it i mean later on he also grabs rob van damme's head and just chucks it into a chair which is so vicious and he follows it up with the five knuckle shuffle and once again the fans are like no no i won't take this wwe crap and i'm sat there loving it i also really do like bad guy cena because once rob van damme has gotten out of the stfu he is so pissed off he's so annoyed he just looks at the referee and he punches them right in the face it's actually really smart too because then the crowd starts panicking oh no we've done a ref bump because john cena's gonna win and it's even better when John smashes RVD with the steel steps. Smackdown referee Nick Patrick comes out and he goes one and he goes two and then RVD kicks out before the three. I mean, this is special, special stuff. Old Nick then gets taken out too and it is here when ECW hits the shenanigans button. But did you watch ECW in the late 90s? They basically invented the shenanigans button and it's why there were so many shenanigans in the Attitude Era. Because I want to start a fight here or nothing. 
but WWE did borrow a lot. But a masked man appears and just spears Cena right through a table. And it would have made sense if it was somebody who we hadn't seen already. But when they do unmask, it's Edge. <laughs> so you're like, why did you cover your face, you strange, strange person? And the answer is because it was Paul Heyman. He loved doing stuff like this. And to be honest, so do I. All this is even more true when RVD comes to his senses and sees a prone John Cena. So he climbs to the top rope and hits the five-star splash splash. But now there's no referee. So what are we going to do? Well, in a bunch of absolute baloney, Paul Heyman just runs in. He does the three count. RVD is your new WWE champion. The noise is absolutely crazy. They blew the roof off the place. All of this is so well done and just deserves a massive round of applause. And of course, this was going to go bad very quickly, but we don't have to worry about that now because we're just focused on one night stand. And RVD celebrates with the people in the crowd. He gets hoisted up by a bunch of wrestlers that have come out there. We went out of our way to make this feel like a big deal. So guess what happens? It feels like a big deal. And it's just awesome. It's a sight you never thought you'd see. And we'd also continue the story between John Cena and Edge. So all of this is just so well worked. To the point, it doesn't just get it up. It gets a golden up. And as always, I shall leave you with Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer star rating so you get a little bit of balance. I couldn't find a rating for Taz versus Lawler, so that was weird. But Angle versus Orton got three stars. The tag match got two and a quarter stars. Ray versus Sabu got three and a quarter stars. I also couldn't find a rating for that crazy hardcore tag match with Terry Funk. It's probably because Dave Meltzer had to leave the room. It was so nuts. Bulls versus Tanaka got one and one quarter stars. And Cena versus RVD got three and a quarter stars. It's good though. It's really good. And 2005 is really good. And let's never talk about the rest of WWE ECW. Because it's basically downhill from here. But overall, it's getting it up. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.